Welcome to the Phil Pringle Podcast. We're currently in our series, The Engine Room. Stay tuned for this week's message. The engine room of a church, what's under the bonnet, what isn't immediately visible to everybody is the reason you've got anything going on in church life at all. And the real power under the bonnet is prayer. Now, it's not the prayer of individuals so much as the corporate prayer of believers together. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he said, this is how you pray, our Father. Everybody say that. Not my Father, our Father. John Wesley introduced the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. Billy Graham took it to all-time highs, which is great. All of us should have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that is not the only relationship we have with Christ because that can lead us to a really lonely existence and to a non-church life kind of relationship with God as though it's just all about just me and God. But in fact, the New Testament is more about you and I than it is about me and God. And it's more about us and God than about me and God. The Psalms definitely all talk about our personal encounter and walk with God, and that's really important. But there's not just a call to have a personal relationship with Christ. There's a call by God to have a corporate relationship with Christ so that the whole house is relating to God as one family. I don't know about you, but when, when family gets together, it's a great vibe, huh? And when, I, I can remember when, when dad would walk in the house, it kind of changed everything. I know all the kids would, that, that two things that happened, they kind of behave better and that show off, goof off. And uh, it depends what kind of father you had, of course. But that was, that was the impact, and I always felt that it was so different. And there are very few men, it seems, in the, in the body of Christ who can create that same kind of influence when they're amongst the family of God. Ed Cole was one certain gentleman like that, always made a difference when he was around. And the sense of family and togetherness is one of the most immediate feelings a person gets when they meet Christ. When, when I met Christ, I immediately knew I was part of the church. I was part of a group of people. I wasn't just, it wasn't just me and God. It was me and all these other people as well. And so uh, I want you to come with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And it, uh, this gives you the, the picture of what the brand new church, the newborn church, never existed before was all about. It says, and they continued, 3,000 people have just come to Christ. First altar call in the history of the church. Peter preaches, 3,000 people come to Christ, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which was all these 20 to 25-year-olds that Jesus had selected as his 12 disciples were now teaching, the apostles' teaching. And all the people were following their teaching. The New Living Translation says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
Okay, so now you get this idea that uh, then, sorry, and then it says, and go to, go to Acts 2.42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, and say it again, fellowship, all the fellows in the same ship. Okay, so this is a Greek word, koinonia, which means to share in common, to have communion with, to resonate with, to partner with, to contribute to. So they got together in fellowship and the breaking of bread, which is eating together, and in prayers. Now that became like the engine room, not just the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit, but from then on, the engine needed to keep on humming. So this was what it was, continuing in the teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now it could be easy to overlook that word fellowship because it's used in just a lightweight description of, yeah, we had some fellowship together. But fellowship is a far more powerful force than you and I could even begin to imagine. And it, it goes to the highest levels. Check this out in 1, 1 John 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, that means we're living transparently, we have fellowship with one another. We're on the same page. We got communion with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now that's, that's, I wouldn't have joined those dots. I wouldn't have said that the cleansing of my sins depends on the fact that I'm in fellowship, that I'm in this communion with other believers, that I have a corporate relationship with Christ, not just an individualized relationship with Jesus. And so to actually understand that the cleansing power of the blood happens because I'm getting along with other people. This spreads out throughout the whole of the New Testament where Jesus says, listen, if you come to God and you recognize, you remember you got a problem with somebody, your prayers ain't gonna work. Oh, I hate that. Isn't that awful? I mean, it gets even worse. Peter says, if you're not getting along with your wife, your prayers ain't going to work. How cruel is that? I mean, that's just, that means I got to make it work. All you single people can be rejoicing right now. Amen. You got one less difficulty in your life to get your prayers answered in Jesus' name. I mean, you're one, you just want trouble, you know, here. Here's the thing, that if, if the devil can get you divided, he'll get your prayers hindered. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Why did I come to church this morning? Amen. You know, it's like, it's like Je- Jesus says your vertical relationship is depending on your horizontal ones. It's like, you mean I got to get along with all these people? I got to have fellowship with them all? You think it's hard? Try being a pastor. You know, it's, there is, there's just like so many different dynamics that go on and deep, horrific feelings can get a hold of you sometimes in, in all sorts of ways where you, 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 you feel like, how can people even begin to do those sorts of things? Look, okay, so Jesus, he calls 12 disciples, correct? 12 disciples. One of them is Simon the Zealot. A zealot is one of the Jewish 
people who wants to raise up a, a band of military people and overthrow the Roman government. Stupid idea because they'll never win, but they're just like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're the zealots fighting for the, the Jewish cause. Okay, so Jesus says, you come follow me. Then he goes over, and one of the people that zealots hate the most are the tax collectors for the Romans. You're taking our money off us at exorbitant rates to support this Roman occupation army. So they hate each other. Jesus goes, Matthew, tax collector, you come, follow me. Then you got Matthew, the meticulous, point scoring, history maker, numbers keeper. You got, you got, you know, Bartholomew, you've got uh, Thomas, the doubter. Oh, I don't think anything's going to work. Uh, oh, let's go to Judea so we can die with Jesus. He's always positive. Doubting, I won't, I won't believe unless I can see. You know, okay, and then you got Peter. I believe, I believe, I'll jump out of the boat. You know, totally opposite. Mr. Negative, Mr. Positive. John, the dreamy guy, write another poem. <laughs> Seeing things in heaven, all this. He says, you guys all come together. I know you've not met each other. Some of you have met each other, one, one or two of you, but I know you don't know each other. Hey, but okay, here's my parting words to you. Love one another. I would say he had to sleep between Matthew and Simon the Zealot in case they killed each other every night. Now he said, you guys, love one another. You see, you see, Jesus sticks you in church life, in amongst people's lives, with people sometimes that, that'd be the last people on earth you'd pick. But how on earth are you ever going to develop Christ within you without some challenges? You'll never develop muscles without weights to lift. You'll never develop some kind of greatness on the inside of you without having to become greater than the attitudes coming your way. And so in our church, we have always structured an infrastructure that provides everybody with the opportunity to grow in Christ. Now, I know we talk about a lot of numbers every now and then. You know, like had one church and every now we got 82, and you know, like we're going for a thousand churches. Honestly, they are just ultimate measuring points for a greater, a greater thing that we are looking for, and that's forming Christ in you. Because if you get a golden life on the inside of you, you get a golden life on the outside. If you can let Christ be formed in you, like when he was reviled, he reviled not again, the Bible says. So when somebody yelled at him, attacked him, criticized him, mocked him. He didn't come back. He didn't, it didn't stir him up. He just stayed silent. Sometimes he'd answer, but he didn't revile. So when Christ is formed in us, we don't do that. Now the person who, in the workplace or in any place, somebody abuses you for something and you don't come back, they're gonna respect you. They say, oh, you could have done that, but you like kept it together. But when you just yell back, you stupid idiot. And afterwards they all say, well, you know, that'll shut all sorts of doors on you. And you call yourself a Christian. All these sorts of things happen. So how are we going to get from that place to a place where we're actually living Christ out in our world? My belief is that it doesn't happen so much in this setting. We can hear about it, but there's no real close context in which that 
can be formed in us in the major celebration services every weekend that we have. That's why we have a small group system, a cell system. And, and so when we, when we come down into this uh, passage, which will continue just uh, on Acts 2.42, and the breaking of bread and prayers, and then verse 43, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Okay, so let me, let me take you to my, my little blackboard here. So continuing every day with one accord, one purpose in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So the, the two wings of church life for us to fly is temple and house. So that we have large gatherings, but that's not all. We also have house gatherings. Now, we have a pretty high percentage of our congregation actually engaged in small groups. But I would love to think that everybody, all of us can actually find a time or a place to get ourselves into a closer level of relating to one another than just looking at the back of our heads on Sunday in church. And, and I'm, I'm not putting this down. You know, I, if, I've got, if I was reduced to having just one thing that I could do, it'd be this because I get to preach. Amen. No, not really. Because I think that this is the ultimate expression of the people of God on earth and winning people to Christ, bringing them to a decision. However, we need to break down into, into cells so that we find ourselves breaking bread and eating our food with gag. You see, twice eating is mentioned there. And when we come together like this, we can't really sort of eat together. They used to, in the, in the Corinthian church, they'd have these agape feasts, love feasts. And they'd all bring along food. And Paul had to send them some instructions. He said, some of you are just showing off. You bring along your picnic table and your roast turkeys and, and uh, probably not pork. But, you know, they had, had all these. And some of them were drinking too much. And having these, the, the love feast is just getting a little too lovey. You know, it was, uh, and he says, guys, get it together. It, do all that stuff at home. So when we have our little Parmesan cheese uh, communion uh, with, our, with our rice bridges, I don't know if you hear last, last week when we had communion, I think some of it was garlic actually. It was very nice. And uh, so uh, that's, that's a pale reminder actually of, of understanding that it's a good trigger for us to remember what Jesus has done for us. However, these guys spent a lot of time eating together. And I, I've got to tell you, one of the greatest uh, experiences I know is when you get with some people in Christ and Jesus is at the center of that fellowship, you're eating together, and there's a resonance that is, it, it's equal to worship. It's equal to anything that's in the kingdom of God. And to be able to provide for that in all of our small groups, whether it's a cell group, a D group, a connect group, sorry, a D group, homogenous group, or an alpha group. You know, all of these provide for us something that we're looking for often in other places. 
Some people are looking for, you know, in, 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 in sort of a, a, a healing environment of counseling or something they're looking, looking f- to, to satisfy the ache of loneliness, Look, looking to bring healing to emotional problems. And, you know, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes that can be actually, that need can be met just in fellowship. There's an awful amount of, I mean, a great amount of healing in, in hanging out together. And uh, I've, I've preached in a lot of different circumstances, huge numbers of people sometimes, seeing miracles and all those kinds of things. And if, if you'd ask me, what, is, what are the, some of the best moments of your life? I would have to say sitting at a table with a bunch of friends in a, in a connect group style setting and spending three hours talking, eating, I'm telling you, you don't have to go for three hours. One hour's enough. But I'm just saying when you're with friends, there's hardly a thing that's better in the world than that. And God has called us to that. As much as to a personal relationship with Jesus, He's called us to a one another life where we love one another, where we care about one another. And, and then they started having favor with all the people. And then it says the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Being saved and being added to the church are two different things. And I've seen that many times where people actually get saved, but they don't get added into the house of God. And so the pathway that we have in church is, is one whereby we get people involved in our connect groups and then they divide and keep multiplying. Now, once you've got one connect group going on, We've got a little picture of cells going on over there. They multiply. Every cell multiplies. That's the way the whole world works. You've got something like 500 trillion cells in your body, and they are constantly multiplying. And so the success of a, of a cell is not how big it gets, but how many times it multiplies. Every time it multiplies... It has a duplicate, exact duplicate of the DNA inside each side of the cell that multiplies. When I was with these pastors in, uh, in Johannesburg at this meal we had after the meeting, I asked them, you know, I try to create these D-group settings, and I start with a question like, what are you going to do with what you heard this week? What changes are you going to make when you go back to your church? So... One of the guys said, well, look, you know, uh, I need to raise up a whole bunch of new leaders because when we started to make the move to become C3 and uh, initially the people in our town who had been around us were supportive. They thought it was a great idea. But when they saw we, we were really getting serious, they actually opposed us. And then they started to criticize C3. They started to criticize you. They started to say, you know, we, you're really making a wrong move, et cetera, et cetera. But he said, I knew in my spirit this is what God wanted us to do. And I knew that I was, I was called to do this. And he said, so I had to make the choice. And we lost a few leaders. We lost a, uh, quite a number of people. I thought, wow, you know, this is, this is like a sacred moment. But I said, let me explain to you why that happens. Every leader and every person in church life will go through a loyalty test moment where they hear criticism and it tries to pull them away, give them a sour attitude but they've got to actually make a stand. We're going to stand for Christ. Now, Peter had that moment, remember, where 
They said, you're a follower of Jesus. He said, no, I'm not. And he he failed in that moment. But then he got it right. And so everybody faces those moments where opinions of others tries to pull you away from the people you've been called to actually do life with by God because we're called together, not alone. And so in that moment, once we stand up, the DNA that is produced by that moment, God sees that as reproducible because it stands under the fire of opposition. And so that DNA, I said to him, God can build on that because what you've now got in your spirit is worth reproducing. And, and not just that test, but there are other tests to get the seed right, to get the DNA right. Some people talk about the DNA of C3. It's like, oh, it's all screens, graphics, culture, music. You know, wow, it's amazing. You know, it, I, I got to tell you, the DNA of this place is a lot deeper than just those cosmetics. It's to do with things like faithfulness, forming Christ in you, discipleship. It's about a solid army that's undefeatable and unstoppable in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, so I can, this is so that we all feel pretty comfortable in relating to our current world, and we will keep on changing all of this. When people get upset about the cosmetics, I'm thinking, boy, there's a lot more serious things to get upset about than that. You know, and so the basic concept of connection happens in our connect groups. That's why we call them connect groups. I mean, brilliant. And, uh, and so we have this, this idea of producing cells and out of the success of cells is that once they reach like 10 or 12 people, that they've developed the leader and that they can actually produce others and et cetera, et cetera. And so you get this huge building from beneath concept in the community, in people's homes, in cafes, at workplaces, where we are joining people to the church because we are joined to the church and our leadership brings them into that. Now, The people who are leading these, each leader of these groups becomes like part of a discipleship group. And this is a network pastor up here uh, going around and around and around around, trying to look after everybody. Amen. All right. (laughs) So he, he is, he's got a D group and that's what this is. And the context of leadership makes sure that You've now got a, an environment in which you can actually shape people's lives. And as I said before, the goal of a discipleship group, of a disciple, is that Christ is formed in us. And Paul says, I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And if you can get Christ formed in you, that is going to guarantee you that you'll navigate your way through life successfully. Whether on the outside, you're up or down, in or out, whatever's going on, you're going to find that Christ in you is the light of the world. It's your true north compass. It'll all, the nature of Christ in you will always dictate how you react and respond to negative and positive situations in life. And you'll find the more that that is formed in you, the greater those moments are going to be in your world. So Paul says, I want us to all no, more, no longer be children tossed around by every wind and doctrine, but grow up into Christ. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are equipped. And my equipping of people is to give you a bunch of attitudes and characteristics in our character that enable us to act and react in life successfully. That's one of the, I mean, sometimes we think equipping is 
the impartation of the gift of healing or, or equipping people with the gift of the word of knowledge or that. But I can tell you the greatest strength that you can be equipped with is in your, in your character. Knowing how to behave with ethics, with integrity in life, knowing how to walk truly before God and how to have the power of God rest on you. And as you actually put yourself in a context like a D group or a connect group where you're a little more vulnerable, a little more exposed to all that, then all of that keeps you walking that pathway. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I've, I find that without, without somebody looking on, if I'm given half the chance, I'll just take a shortcut. Okay, so none of you are like that. All right. Yeah, just, just me. You know, like, if, if, I'm at the, if I'm at the gym and the trainer says, look, uh, we're going to do 12 of these, you know, I'll, I'll do 12 of them. But when I'm on my own, I get to eight and I think, I'll do 10. I'll do one more and then I say, nine I'll do. And that's it. And then I don't quite, you know, when, when I first started training, I thought, I, ah, hate leg training. You know, just, I don't want to do that. I, I do one leg. I can't even walk downstairs afterwards. I fall in the car. You know, I just, it's just so sore. And so he says, legs, legs. And all the time, every time, I said, what's with the legs thing, you know? And leg, 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 leg you know. And he says, two-thirds of your muscle group, you know, like muscle's the only thing that burns fat. You know? <laughs> Then you squat, squat here, you know, no lunging, you know, like whatever. This way, that way. Oh, it's just murder. And I'm walking out of the gym like. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that if he hadn't said that. I concentrate on the things people can see, like guns, baby. You know, like, yeah, hey. I'm not going to mess around with all that. Who can see that, you know? Who can see these big thundering thighs? No one. I want the. Yeah, yeah, you see, but, okay, so I understand you're not like that. But the, the, the thing is, I wouldn't have done that without somebody getting on my case. And then I know what to do when he's not around. So consider me your spiritual life coach, that there are stuff that can improve the quality of your life in a corporate relationship with Jesus, not just an individual relationship, because we'll get away with too much stuff there. But once you're in relationship with a whole bunch of people, all of us want to pop out of that. No, no, it's just too, too you know, accountable, too, too much. But that's the only way we actually get ourselves to travel through these transformations that we need to. We'd like to hide away because we can get away with stuff. But getting in a group, you know, there's, there's just the turn up factor. And I would like to say it's not just about commitment to church. It's actually commitment to our connect group and, and then to the multiplication of that connect group. So we keep on building up the church forever. Amen. Every, at least once a year, we should multiply our connect group. And you know, one of the things like with presence just around the corner, I would love to think that every connect group leader and every connect group member, we just grab all, and alpha groups and any homogenous groups. I see Joe Campbell down here this morning with a friend, might've been out motorbike riding yesterday. And uh, I don't know, but you know, that these homogenous groups. And then uh, there was one other, what did I say? Alpha connect. Every, if we can get them all in there, I want to I treat that first night anyway when I'm, you know, like setting a tone for presence as a, like a, like a connect group leaders, connect group, discipleship group moment where we find ourselves with a fresh ignition, a fresh fire 
coming on us because it has infinite possibilities. You see, that spreading broad has no end of possibilities with it that you and I can achieve once we start multiplying right through the community and coming together on Sundays to, to worship and, and, and celebrate together. Amen. Okay, I want to I quickly get to two more points in this, in this last minute. Amen. Psalm 133 says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like anointing oil, costly anointing oil, flowing down head and bed, down Aaron's bed, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yeah, that's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. Okay. Harmony matters. Getting along with each other. Doesn't mean we all play the same instrument or the same notes. It's just symphonize. Symphonizing. Is that the word? No. Harmonizing. I'll just use that one while I'm thinking about the other one. Hey, look, in a church newsletter, uh, I read this little misprint. At the end, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to the choir practice. (laughs) (laughs) Harmony matters. So we've got this We've got brothers and sisters getting along with each other. The anointing isn't going to fall on disunity. The anointing falls on unity. Now I'd love to think, oh, I've got this personal relationship with Jesus, and I'm just going to get myself anointed. But if I've got problems on a horizontal level, it's going to blockade that from falling on my life. That's not really what I want to hear, because this is way more challenging to deal with than this one. Because we can see each other, we hear each other, we know each other, and to actually keep my heart, keep attitudes at a level like, like Jesus would be. And that's the call of God, that I grow up, that I just don't go to church, I just don't attend services, but I actually get transformed in my life and the way I'm living in these interactions with other humans around me. Okay, so it brings anointing on me. And that's where God commands eternal life. So people are going to get saved. That anointing of unity results at the end degree of people coming to Christ like you and I saw here this morning. That's exactly what's going to happen. Okay, now the second thing that I want to say is in Acts 2 verse 1, I'm sorry, no, in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Fellowship is the basis for achieving anything God's called you to do. Fellowship. You cannot achieve what God's called you to do on your own. Impossible, because God never calls us alone. He calls us together. All right, if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. He has no one to help him. None of us is as smart as all of us. It's a Japanese motto, amen. The Talmud says, a man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. You can't be trying to do this thing on your own. It's too hard. And yet there are sometimes things that make it happen, so we want to do it on our own, but it's impossible to do it. So God keeps stretching us beyond where we think we're capable of going to actually 
move together. Husband said to his wife, I'm depressed. I feel so alone and useless. His wife said to him, you're not alone, dear. Lots of people think you're useless. (laughs) Yeah, solid message. Needed some breaks, amen. Anyway, I know that you've been sitting there thinking, why are those sticks on the table? Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Okay, so here, here is a bunch of sticks, and, and here is like you. Pretty easy. No, it's not you, but you know, if it was, it's just like, okay. Ah, grasshopper, when you all come together. Not so easy, huh? Ah, that's all it was there for. That's it. (laughs) But you see, together, you're way stronger. You're not going to get broken. You're not going to get busted. As long as you hang together. But once you're out on your own, snap. Out there... In Africa, they had two days of this conference on a game park, and you know they asked me if I want to go on a, you know, the thing. I said, "Oh no, I've done that," and uh, I was too tired anyway. But you know, so you, they go out and you see all the zebras and that sort of thing, and I've seen them, and you see these lions, and the, and the dinga, uh, not dingoes, uh, <laughs> the hyenas, hyenas, you know. <laughs> all right, you know they go, they're out there. They don't, go off, they don't go after the main body. There's one poor little limping thing over here. They just get it. The devil's merciless. If you're limping, it ain't a good idea to be on your own. If you've got a little wound or taken a few beatings, don't stay away. Everything in you wants to, but don't do it. Stay in the body. And there's... there's the love of God and the power of God will keep us all walk, walking together. Okay, just stay with me for just, just another minute here. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another. There's just thousands of one another scriptures in the New Testament. You cannot do the Christian life on your own. There are other people involved all the time. Romans 14.13, Let us not judge one another anymore. Romans 15.7, Therefore, receive one another. Ephesians 4.2, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, forgiving one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, build up one another, edify one another. 4.18, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another. The whole thing is, all of us are called together, but this isn't the only environment that that togetherness, that that unity is meant to exist. It's meant to actually exist at a a cell level, connect group, discipleship group. I really urge you to be engaged in one, especially Alpha if you've got friends who need to come to Christ. It goes for seven weeks, et cetera. 
But as we do that, as we say, Lord, you know, we really want to actually achieve this growth of our church, I'm telling you, it begins at a cell level, all of us multiplying leaders and cells at a very basic level. Thanks for listening to the Phil Pringle Podcast. Check out philpringle.com to follow Phil's blog and latest resources. Join us next time for more great teaching.